Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following big interview was posted in full for our socios, our members, our friends, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. And that was last season. 2019-20. Sign up there and you'll get every interview we produce before it's released on the main feed, plus the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. You'll also get bonus content every month, including the audio versions of my regular columns for ESPN. And what's more, you'll be supporting us. You'll be keeping this independent podcast on the road. Thank you. Hello friends and newcomers, this is The Big Interview with Alex Bruce. Alex and I met not too far from Kilmarnock. We spoke about life in the most cutthroat league that there is, the Championship. What it's like getting out of there, as he did with Hull. And there'll be interesting revelations about Wayne Rooney and also about Harry Maguire. Thank you to Alex, a most interesting guest, for taking part in The Big Interview. I know you'll enjoy this. We have sponsors, and Bet365 have sent questions in. Um, I'm going to pick on two of them, because our sponsors really support us and get behind us. I'm going to say, their question that I like is, best player you've played with or against? Both, if they come to mind. Best player I've played against? Oh, it's a tough one. I'd have to say Ronaldo, purely because of what he's gone and achieved. I played against him when he was obviously at Man United. He was just phenomenal, and he's um, what he's gone and achieved at every club he's been at, and... Every country he's been to, I mean, he's doing it in Italy now, and obviously what he achieved in Spain and at, in, at Manchester. So I'd probably say he's the best because of what he's done in his career. How, um, how did you try to do? When was he always your duty when you played against him, or was he coming in from wide? He was, he was coming. I came on yeah. against him at right back uh, once, and I think he was playing on the left. Yeah. He might have been just swapping sides, yeah. whatever, whatever he chose to do. Thierry Henry, when he was at Arsenal, was phenomenal. I remember playing against him and just thinking, wow, how quick is he? Because his pace was just electric. He'd be right up there as well. I've been fortunate enough to play against some top, top players. Ryan Giggs was a personal hero of mine growing up. He was always someone who I, who I loved as a kid. I always tracked ball number 11 on my back as a kid growing up. Obviously, he was a fantastic player. But if I was going to pick one, I'd probably have to say Ronaldo. Wayne Rooney. Wayne's a good mate of mine as well. Wayne's underestimated, don't you think? Totally underestimated. And let me tell you, one of the greatest players England have ever produced, in my opinion. Yeah. I, was, I played against him all the time. We have a running joke, actually. We hated each other growing up as kids. Really? He used to be a little pain in the arse. You know what I say about trying to kick Steve Bruce's son? He was, the, he was the, one of them. And he always says, when he was a kid at Everton... We used to play against you, Brucey, and we'd say, we're going to get stuck into that Steve Bruce's son today. 
And um, and now I actually have a joke with him now. He's a really good pal of mine. And um, I say, oh, now you see, you're going to get your comeuppance because you've got four or five sons yourself and you get the, you're going to have the same. There's Wayne Rooney's lads and there are, there are people who are going to want to kick lumps out of them. So it goes full circle, you know. I'd say he'll be teaching them. Yeah, and they can carry a dig some of them. He's all spoken the a lot about how boxing helped yeah. him. Our kids go to the same school, and I see them. They've uh, yeah, they've definitely got his genes. You talked about Cristiano and his legacy, the way people regard him, is pretty much un, untouched. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be satisfied because he openly said, "I want to be regarded as the best player ever." Yeah, not now. Mm-hmm. That was his goal, and he's spoken about that. Therefore, I don't think he gets the appreciation he thinks he deserves. But if you talk about his athleticism and height and power, yeah. that links him to Thierry Henry. Yes. Unbelievable athleticism, brilliant power in his own way, um, able to do just about everything on a pitch. And Ryan maybe hasn't got the same power, but like you know, nobody's had more Premier League appearances than him. His trophy yeah. hall is absolutely incredible. He's the only one that touches... You know, we had Danny Alves or Iniesta in terms of total trophies won. I think when you look at the, his build, though Ryan's build, he was slight and he was he had a, a great balance about the way he ran and moved. And when you look at the way his frame is compared to say a Wayne, for example, who that's was what I was stocky, coming. Yeah, it's. I think that's part of people's genetics and the makeup of it. But like, it's part of why people don't properly appreciate how extraordinary a footballer he's been. I think. Yes. To sustain it for the the amount of time that Ryan did, to the age that he was at, you have to be something special, and but, you have to be. Don't mean to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form here by saying this, but you have to be lucky not to get injuries as well. I think Ryan was lucky where he never had any serious injuries, where it could have affected him in that respect. But. I always felt that one of the things was his hurdling because people tried to put them on him, yeah. and and it wasn't just especially when he was younger. He he was really clever about how he got over a lunging leg. Yeah. And it, I don't know if it's... I've never asked him about whether it's peripheral vision mm-hmm. or whether it's just that little ability... Balance. ...the ball where you can leap. Yeah, yeah. Balance was incredible. You try to kick him and he, he would just skip hurdle you. You couldn't get near him. Well, which no. was why probably he didn't get injured because he was so good at it. And, and I think Ryan was such an intelligent player. He moved with the times as well. I mean, when he first broke on the scene, he was an electric left-winger dribbler. And as he got older he kind of moved into more of a central role and he had just as good of an impact on the team as a flying winger as what he did moving into like a number 10 role or a more central role where he could see a pass. I remember him slipping a pass through to Michael Owen in the Manchester derby uh, where Michael Owen got the winner. It was one of the best the three-two game. Three, unbelievable. One of the best passes you, you'd ever see. Probably, And there's only players with certain ability and Ryan was what, definitely one of them. So nobody that listens to this will let me off. They come looking for me. If I don't get you to tell them what it was like being kicked by a 16-year-old Wayne Rooney or 14-year-old Wayne Rooney, and he wouldn't have, t- he wouldn't have been the, one of the ones I'm guessing to come up and tell you. He was no, no, he wouldn't tell you. No, it was just done. Oh, he was a pheno- he was a phenomenal talent, but he was as. Did you, first of all, were you marking him? Uh, believe it or not, no, I wouldn't have been marking him because I, I kind of started as a winger so as, you, as, still as, up front as a forward, at and then I moved back to midfield, and then it wasn't until I got to like 19, 20-year-old where I, I started playing centre half regular. So we weren't like directly against each other, but Wayne was one of them. He'd run all over and just tackle everyone on the team. He had such a determination about himself and um, just a phenomenal talent and a, and a drive that was just incredible. He had a drive and a, and a heart as big as himself where you could see he was a, just a natural-born winner. And 
I think you could see that in the career that he had with Man United and going on to the, the, the things he's achieved now. You see him still now in the MLS. I seen him the other day ranting and raving at a fourth official. Hasn't left him, it's still there. Scoring from the halfway line, you know, chasing back, winning the ball, doing boys' own stuff. Yeah. What about his repertoire? What about the things he does? What do you like best about the things he does? I think his tenacity and his determination and his will to win was, was the most impressive thing, I think, was what Wayne and natural talent, obviously... He was a phenomenal player, and I think we. I think we get it. Was do you know some of Graham? I think sometimes players like Wayne, they'll be they'll probably be appreciated more when they're retired. In Wayne's case, for example, I just threw him something about like, who, who did you try and? and Lipman. You have a hero like that. Mine was Roy Keane. I played for Roy, um, at Ipswich. The sharpest man mentally you could ever wish to meet. I mean, he w- he wouldn't miss a trick. And a, and a funny guy as well. Sometimes I think it's two things. If he, you hadn't he's, led he's got he's got a real sharp sense of humour. Everybody who, who knows him well say, yeah. "You don't realise how funny he is." Yeah, yeah, he can he, he can really make and you laugh. The black scowl, the dark humour, the dry humour. We straight. And I think in there he enjoys and... it a little bit sometimes as well. The scowl. He could be calm. He could. The, there was times at Ipswich when I, th- I used to think, "Oh, he's going to go berserk here," and he didn't. And then there was other times when we'd maybe win a game, and he wasn't happy about something, and he would flip his lid. So. You could never really call when he was going to fly off that. You know, you've just descri- descri- described there, it's Alex Ferguson, isn't it? Yeah, you could never really, you could never tell when he was going to, sometimes he'd say nothing. He was unbelievable, though, with things, I remember going for a meal once where he he spoke to the captain and he said, I want you to go out and have a, a couple of beers and a, and, and a night out and a day out and a bit of lunch and what have you. And we'd go out and we'd, there'd be 25, 26 of us and we'd, we'd go and have a good, good couple of drinks and a bit of food and all the rest of it and we'd go to square up the bill at the end and it was all taken care of Roy had got it you can paint a picture of people like Roy Keane sometimes not what you see you'd play for him again yeah I probably would do because he was my hero really I mean I remember I remember being at Ipswich and I'd been down there for three four years lived on my own and I was I was getting to the stage where I knew there was a couple of clubs in for me and I, at the time it was the right thing to do let your contract go down to a Bosman I was in the island set up um, I was at a good age and I thought I'm going to let my contract run down and see what's out there and I had a couple of good options and then Jim McGilton lost his job and Roy came in I had a few things lined up and I, w- I wanted to leave and then when Roy got the job and I sat in an office with him and he says well, where are you going to go and blah 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 and another thing there's no way I can go anywhere he's, he's my hero like, he's what, someone I've always looked up to and I'd signed a new deal with him two three weeks and it was disappointing because it didn't work out at Ipswich how everyone would have wanted. I think Roy would have said that himself that first year that he was there. We didn't do well. We, I think we finished about mid-table-ish or something and he'd spent a few quid and brought in some players and we, we didn't really hit the heights of where we should have. This is quite a good question from our sponsors, things you've touched on it too. It's interesting. Bet365 want to know, what was it like representing both Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland? It's, a, it's an extremely unusual situation. Yeah. Uh, do you know something, Graham? Every footballer probably... I wish I had a crystal ball sometimes. <laughs> and everyone will say that, where you can say, oh, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have... When I was a kid, and, and I, I say a kid, I was getting to like 20, 21, and I, uh, the Republic of Ireland approached me. My grandmother was from Belfast, but the granny rule used to state that if she's born within the, the, the within the, the Isle of Ireland, then you can pick whether it's Northern yep. or the Republic. Yep. The Republic approached me first. It was as simple as that, really. And at the time, I thought it was realistic. Where I thought I'm not going to be good enough to play for England. I'm, I'm English, ultimately. 
but it'd be a huge honour to play for Ireland as well. Mm. Obviously, my gran was from there. So I, I went and I played, and I was part of the under-21s. I'd captained the B team, played quite a lot of games, got into the senior setup, worked with some good men, some, uh, Steve Stone and Giovanni Trapattoni. was an unbe- um, unbelievable experience with what he'd done in the game. And then I've just found myself that I was at a good age and I wasn't playing, I was just constantly on the bench. And we were going away and travelling all over the world and I'd sit there on the bench and it was, it was frustrating. And then I got a call out of the blue and I hadn't been in a couple of squads um, from Nigel Worthington, who was the then Northern Ireland manager. And he said something along the lines of, come on, you'll play more for me. It's a short career, you sat there wasting away your international career. Your grand's from Belfast anyway. And I went away and I thought about it and my dad wasn't keen on the idea. I spoke to him about it. He was like, I shouldn't really do that. And I, I, I didn't take his advice for one time in my life. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a crack at it. I, I liked what Nigel said over the phone. I was just, the basics of it, I just wanted to play. And I wanted to experience playing international football rather than just sitting on the bench. And I looked at Richard Dunn at the time, John O'Shea, good centre-halves at the Republic of Ireland. I thought, how am I really going to get in and have a, have a chance of playing here in what were my peak years, 27, 28, 29? And I changed my allegiance over to Northern Ireland, represented them a few times, but uh, Nigel lost his job very very quickly after I'd done all the paperwork and everything. And, and then Michael O'Neill came in and and uh, didn't really get an opportunity like I felt as if I should have done, especially when I was playing in the Premier League week in, week out. He didn't, he didn't really play me. He picked me in the squads, but... I got a little bit frustrated in the end of, again... You can't be playing Premier League football and travelling the world on international breaks and not playing. Yeah. Because it was rest, you know, you, you, you can be jet-lagged, yeah. something far away. It was frustrating. And yeah. you're not playing. Yeah, it was frustrating. So on the old, my international career wasn't as good as what I'd have, I'd have hoped for, but still look back at certain experiences, playing with really good players, training with good players, the likes of Johnny Evans... Uh, Steve Davis is fellow guests. Yeah. Snave, Snave's been on this. Yeah, good lads. Um, and then the report, obviously Robbie Keynes and Richard Dunn's, John O'Shea's, mm. Damian Duff's, Shea Givens. Really, really good professionals, good lads as well. Elite footballers. Good elite footballers. Yeah. How does the Northern Ireland fans? Did you have much contact with them once you switched? No, sides? not really. Not really. The social so there media. Be one or two. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah. And I can fully understand it as well. But we can't like we, we we're gonna. I'm gonna. Take you into the last third of this, Alex, because we can't let you go. There's, there's two or three things that we have to ask you. One, Casper Schmeichel has been in a sort of, almost a permanent in your life, growing up together Crazy. and playing together. Can't shake him off. There is. Now, well, if I, I suppose I've given away the... If I, would, if I told you I was sitting in the camp now in 1999 when the treble was won mm-hmm. and there were two kids just down two rows in front of me, one with Charlie on his back, Teddy Sharing was born. Yeah. And that blonde-haired boy, he doesn't have a name on his back... If one of those two sons of two players on the pitch against Bayern Munich was to have beaten security, wormed his way down the track, got into the dressing room with no pass or accreditation whatsoever, would you have bet that it was Casper? 100%. 100%. <laughs> especially with that bright blonde hair as well. <laughs> now nah, he's done great, Casper. I'm proud of him because obviously he was... Tell people about growing up together. He was, we, were, we were kids growing up and Dad obviously was at United as captain, did the whole spiel of bringing the new signing round to the house for dinner. He was on his own, Peter was. and He looked across the street. I think Dad's said it a million times before, and he, there was a for sale sign. Before he knew it, he was moved in. He bought the house, and they were our new next-door neighbours. His family come over from Denmark, and, and that was when I first met Casper. And our lives were finish school, knock on each other's door, out in the street. He'd be in goal, 
pull the goals out and stick them on the curb. I'd be blasting balls at him and he'd be diving around the street. And that was our life. We were out there for hours every heaven. day. Every day. And it was heaven. It was. It was we'd have the, like what you say there. I was Roy Keane. I was Ryan Giggs. I had the strips on. He was his dad. And, we, and, and that was us. We used to take free kicks and used, use the neighbours' front lawns and the neighbours would go nuts. And some of the houses were like, they had like white rendered, black and white they were. And there'd be football marks everywhere, all over the, all over the houses. <laughs> that's, that's what it should be. And, and it was, so we used to get a clip off the neighbours here now and again for hitting the car they windows. They wouldn't and, dare, I don't believe that. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously Dad and, Kat and, and, and Peter would come out and have a kick around. And, and that was our lives. And we actually played together at Leeds. Yeah. Which was, which was a bizarre the way things turn out in football. He, he left Leeds, went to Leicester, I went to Hull and we went down our own roads, but went to take my little girl to school about a year ago now, two years ago, and I've walked into the playground and there's Casper. His, his little girls are in the same school as well, so see each other more or less every day when I'm at home. And it's, um, yeah, it's nice, we've, we've grown up together and he's, he's, done, he's gone on to do, have Did a fantastic career. Did you have a sensation that he, would, that he would make it? Because it, 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 it wasn't a roundabout route, but it didn't look, always look certain, and I, I, you talked about a transition period for you at 15, 16. Yeah. I think Casper will admit it himself, he definitely had a transition period where he, he liked football and then he went away from it. And like most little lads, I remember him, he, he had a spell of wanting to be a fireman or a policeman or something like that. And, and then obviously he found his way back to football. Casper's a big personality, um, both from playing with him and as, as a kid. I mean, there's a funny story where Casper's birthday is the 5th of November and uh, where we lived, they just moved into the house and there was a woodlands over the back. So my dad had told Pete, oh, Guy Fawkes night, bonfire night and all the rest of it in England. And he says, oh, really? It's, it's my son's birthday as well. We'll have a big party in the, in the garden. So we were collecting firewood all week in the woods, Casper and I and a couple of lads from the estate, and we'd, we'd made this big uh, bonfire in, the, in his garden, made a Guy Fawkes, stuck it on. Anyway, it got to the night of his Casper's birthday and it was raining. A bit like it there was a yeah. bit of a drizzle. And we were trying, Dad and Peter, Dad, Man United's captain, Man United's goalkeeper, were trying to light this bonfire. We were all devastated because they couldn't light the bonfire. So Peter had an idea to chuck the petrol on. <laughs> so we were all sent inside and we're all at the window watching. Dad's one side, Peter's the other. So they throw the petrol on and Peter gets his light out and throws it on the bonfire. And you just heard, boof. <laughs> And the pair of them must have been shot ten foot. We thought they were both dead. One was lying at one end, one was lying at the other, both on the back. Guy Fawkes was 35 foot up in the air. Casper was crying, thinking, we've made that all week, you know, we were only about eight-year-old. Oh, and we look back at the good times, you know. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When I, when I came down to uh, England the first time, I don't know if I told you this, my boss at the paper had, had gone and caused a huge fuss, nothing to do with me, at Manchester United, written a really derogatory piece about Alex Ferguson, we were banned. I've just come down to England, no access to Manchester United whatsoever. Well, Somebody gives me the number for this, this legend, Steve Bruce, and I phone him out and say, listen, I'm going to be straight with you. You've no idea who I am. I've come down, I'm chief football rep for this paper, there's a lot of pressure on me. I'd like to be able to talk about Manchester United and, and analyse them and get... And, but Fergie's not going to like it. Mm. And he'd been out not that long, maybe a year. Yeah. And he's like, son, I'll trust you, no problem. I'll work with you to see what you like. Yes, no problem at all. And I was, I was knocked out because in football, that's not what people do around Alex Ferguson. Yeah. I, I'd known Alex Ferguson since I was a kid because growing up in Aberdeen and stories that everybody's listened to this know already but I really knew him reasonably well and his family and there was reason for him to think yeah, this kid will be, I'll be, he'll be alright yeah. but your dad didn't know who I was I just reached out to him and I'll go with you until I see what you're made of yeah I'd always give someone a chance no matter, no matter who you are you know what I, mean? I think it's a t- tremendous attribute up. of his yeah I don't think there are many more iconic or maybe even beautiful moments in the modern history of Manchester United than those two headers mm. and, and I don't think they fell to him simply because he was good in the air. There's something about people like him. I know we're talking about your dad, but maybe yeah. I'm asking you to be objective now. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of had to be him or somebody like him. There, yeah. are, there are men, I think, in Britain who are, you know, explain why we won the war, mm-hmm. where their character is almost too big for their body. Um, That's who, one thing that he, he has got a character about him, my dad, where he's a likeable man. And now, whether that's helped him over the years or been a hindrance, some some people might say he should have been a bit nastier if he had been. He might have gone on to like manage a, like a, a Manchester United or a, whoever. But he's had to go around the blocks to get to where he is now. And whatever people say about him, whether it's negative or positive, he's got his dream job now. Mm-hmm. One, what he's worked all of his life towards... He's the happiest man in the world at the minute, purely because he's managing his hometown club. He's back in Newcastle, and he loves the place. And the, no matter and no matter and no matter what people say, whether it be negative, and I've seen some awful stuff wrote about him in the last couple of weeks, and it's hard. I, I've obviously with being his son and stuff, I get stuff labelled at me, and to be honest, it's water off a duck's back. But when people say stuff about him, it pisses me off. It, yeah. And like it would do anybody because I'm his son at the end of the day and if someone said your lad or anybody else yeah. that you, you, you want to stick up for your dad you probably feel you, you probably take get it more chippy about those around you than yourself you do and it's normal I just think for someone who's given a thousand games near enough a thousand games as a player over a thousand games as a manager I just think he should be respected a little bit more that's all people should have a bit more respect for it's him it's hard to understand why it isn't the case mm. because you know as iconic as Cantona or Giggs or Beckham, Keane, yeah. Ferguson became. And he's one of the men, the men that Ferguson went out and sought when things weren't right. Yeah. And went, 
with this man, not just with this player, we can build an empire, we can put things right. And I yeah. think that says a huge amount about him. And then he punched his weight, delivered everything that was expected of him. Yeah, he had a good career. and it, But I think the one thing Alex Ferguson always had in every team that was successful, when you look back, he had a core of proper men. And I think my dad would be in that bra- bracket with Mark Hughes... Brian Robsons, you could kick another on another five years. You could go to um, Roy Keane's, uh, Nicky Butts, um, Ferdinand's, big characters. You know what I mean? Uh, Michael Carrick's, um, Ryan Giggs's. That he always had a, a nucleus of, a, of of players that he could rely on, and um, I think that's why Alex Ferguson was ultimately such a great manager and had such great success. He he didn't just take the responsibility of managing the club as a whole he had a nucleus of players who were leaders as well and I think he was very very clever in, in, in doing that in the teams he built What would you say makes your dad tick? He's got a rhino skin you can't bat him down hmm. That's yeah. a good expression You cannot bat him down and <laughs> if there's a challenge even now to be thrown in front of him I mean leaving Sheffield Wednesday he got a bit of stick he felt bad about leaving Sheffield Wednesday I don't think many people know this but I had conversations with him where He's like, the supporters have been great with me and he, they were the opposite of what they were like at Villa where they were on my back uh, very easily. He says, I've got, I've got them on side early doors and, and it's a good club and he says, it's just really typical, that's Newcastle. I can't turn Newcastle down. And he felt bad about leaving Sheffield Wednesday but the easy thing to do would have been to stay at Sheffield Wednesday and try and achieve something there or he knew he was going to chuck himself into the fire and have a, and have a crack at Newcastle which... Knowing my dad, the kind of person he is, he was always going to. It's irresistible, that. isn't it? He's going. To, he's always going to take on the challenge, and no matter what challenge in his life, people might look at it and go, "Well, he's he's been around the block. He's a, he's managed some clubs." And I go back to that crystal ball. If if he had a crystal ball, and someone said in 2019 you're going to manage Newcastle, there's no way he took the Sunderland job ten years ago. But unfortunately, life isn't like that. You 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 take challenges when they arise, and and he's always been one to enthusiastic about a challenge and he'll, he'll never back down to one. It seems to me that he, he is, he's like a magnet for people's ill will or criticism. Some people, some people may feel their criticism or maybe... I don't Do you know what it is, Graham? I don't think it's just him. I, I look back, I look at yeah. criticism from, like, Tony Pulis gets it, Sam Allardyce gets it, Mark Hughes probably gets it now. If you've been in David Moyes, a lot of managers who've been in the game a long time, instead of respecting them, and thinking they must have all of them, all of them must have something about them because they've been in the game for such a long time. Instead of respecting them for being in the game a long time, people tend to turn around and call them a dinosaur, not moved with the times, tactically, tactically not not as good as the upcoming modern day coaches. Still the same turf, still the same lines, still the same game as what it was hundreds of years ago. You know what I mean? It's just I just can't understand sometimes that the criticism these older managers get. I think it's I think it's really a bang out of order. Impatient and just demanding change all the time, yeah. whether it's for a good reason or not. And that's half the battle why managers get chopped and changed like they do because there's no patience anymore. It's very difficult, I think, in football, being in the inter- and anyone will tell you who's played the game and a coach or a manager will tell you it's it's, it's very it's very difficult to go into a club that's got rid of a manager for not doing very well to turn it round overnight. Mm-hmm. It takes time and. Unfortunately, time, it's just not there anymore. There's no patience. Well, he's got his dream job, but possibly Newcastle. Newcastle feels different to you than it does to him because, I don't know, do you support anybody? 
Who, Man United was my you, team growing up, and, and it still is because so it's, that's abided. That was where I was brought up, and it was it was always the team I followed. But my, I always had a Newcastle kit in the in the wardrobe because he always bought me one. And my grandparents, my nan, my granddad, my gran and granddad when they were alive, they I always had a Newcastle strip for Christmas and birthdays. It was um, it was a given in my house. The first kit Christmas I ever wore. Going this is the year we, we put the put the lad right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They tried, <laughs> um, but I always used to say Man United's my team and Newcastle's my second team purely because that's where all my family are from. So yeah, to, for him to be managing Newcastle at the minute is fantastic. The last thing to ask you is that you know you're an elite player, international. Um, you played in the last game Wayne Rooney ever had at Old Trafford, um, which is Michael's testimonial. But you've you've racked up. Yeah, a few hundred games in the championship, mm. and it's a phenomenon. The championship is a phenomenon. Yes, it's it's like an ugly, nasty beast mm-hmm. which will devour you if you're not ready. Yeah, try to put into words for people listening what it's like. This incessant game after game, every time you turn the corner and you think, "Well, we put two wins together." The next game coming around the corner is is a group of angry men wanting to. Yeah snap at your heels no rest yet it's a phenomenon full of old fashioned stadiums of big clubs with passionate fan bases Leeds fans who can't wait to get out back to Chef Wed whatever it it must just about devour you the championship physically the championship's a lot harder than the Premier League no doubt about it you play that was the one thing I when I got out of the championship went to the Premier League I remember thinking you get punished more because the the elite players will, put, will hurt you more. Error-wise. Error-wise. Yeah. But in terms of physical demands the championship brings, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, there's just no rest. Now it has its advantages and its disadvantages because if you have a bad game, for example, you only have to wait a couple more days to get, to get out of your system. It's just a, a physical and emotional marathon. It's the only way I can describe it, where it was, it's, it's relentless. One of the toughest leagues in the world. And it's always very tight as well. So you know if you go on a good run, you can climb the table over a period of a couple of weeks, four or five games. And likewise, you can be doing well one minute and then all of a sudden you can drop eight, nine places because you've, you've lost two, three games. An absolute head wrecker, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a great expression. <laughs> head wrecker. But because um, you're a competitive man. Yeah. Um, coming from that lineage, from what you experienced, Man United to Blackburn. Yeah. Maybe it brings out the best in, in yeah, people. Yeah, like I loved it. I loved it, and I, and I miss it because obviously when you, you you take it for granted the years where you play in it. The, I, was, I was fortunate enough to play in the Championship and the Premier League for a, for a long time, and they were great times. And you, you 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 take them for granted when you've when you when you're just used to it. But it's going to war every weekend. It's war, absolute war every weekend, and you can never call a result. I mean, the amount of times where I've gone into a game thinking, "Oh, we'll win today," and you end up getting your asses kicked. Where are the scorpions in your underpants? Where are the horrible places that you've been in? Where you like? I always used to have an absolute beast at Southampton, Plymouth. When we got out to Plymouth, when they had a decent team with Ian Holloway in charge, it was the, it's just a one-hour journey one, there. So if you've lost, it's not a long journey. <laughs> it's the journey was a killer. I remember going to Leeds. When I was at Leeds, we went to Millwall away, which was Whoa. a war. I think I've seen that. Well being. I think if someone asked me to describe anything about Millwall, which sums it up. I'd be able to tell you what the medical room's like perfectly because I've, I've had stitches every time I've been down there. Every time I've played there, I've had to come away with a cut head or a cut knee, whatever it may be. It's just ferocious, the, the atmosphere, and it was, it was 
great place to come play. Particularly when it's Leeds. If it's Leeds if coming it down. Leeds, yeah. It, it was just a, an incredible atmosphere. Bit of a throwback, really. Pitches? What are the pitches like? Are they all uniformly good? I don't think so. All the pitches are good now. Graham, I mean... Well, I'll, it'd be very difficult to tell you what's a bad pitch now, Premier League Championship-wise. Championship as well. Championship as well. There's, there's some really good stadiums, and there are all these deso pitches now. They're a lot harder than what they were when I first started playing. A lot more forgiving. What's the term used there? Deso pitches. Where so is that got, hybrid of? They've got like a hybrid of yeah, artificial grass and, and natural yeah. grass, and it allows it to be a bit more sustainable where you, they don't cut up as easily. Leeds fans, when you go back to Ireland or when you went back to Ireland, how do they treat you? Um, one of our own or <laughs> no it wasn't one of their own I never was really I don't think to be honest too, too many United yeah United yeah I made it no I made it no secret that I was a Man United fan and obviously that's never going to get no 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 I tried, to, I tried to keep it under wraps but obviously you can't nowadays with, any, with anything but and that me and Casper and Gold used to have some very very funny chants for us both about our dads listen great club to play for I think when you're a footballer my, my belief is it's a short career so grab every opportunity with both hands and when the opportunity came to play for Leeds, it was a fantastic club. It was a bit in turmoil at the time, behind the scenes, upstairs. It was, everyone knows the problems that they've had. It was the chops and changes of managers, players constantly in and out of the door. Um, but yeah, really good club. The last one then, well, apart from saying um, good luck in Scotland. Thank you. I wish that my native country produced footballers that would dribble around you and test you more but <laughs> no. it's going to be the ball coming at you from out of the clouds it's a bit like the championship really battle we've every week we've lost our way a little bit mm. I hope things are getting better I hope you enjoy it a lot up here the weather doesn't get better than this this is actually beautiful today. I was going to say it's quite yeah, mild you, today you're here long enough to know our, our, I'll, I'll finish with our sponsors who've asked me I think sort of poignantly what's the happiest day in football you've ever had? Bet365 want to know the moment when you can look back and say that's the happiest I've ever My happiest been day in football, football, without a shadow of a doubt, was the day we got our first promotion at Hull. Um, we were 66 to 1 outsiders, I think, at the start of the season. I'd left Leeds on a free, went with my dad, but I, I felt as if I was a, a, a decent championship player at the time. I was confident to go and play for him. And then to have a season like what we had, we had some good players. And then to, to clinch promotion on that last game of the season, I think you, you might remember it where the Leeds-Watford game was going 15 minutes longer than, than when our game finished and we were waiting on the result. I think we needed a, a Leeds draw or a Leeds victory meant we were promoted. There was a 15-minute stoppage time and I was looking around the KC Stadium. There was, there was lads hiding in cupboards, not being not there and able to watch the results coming in. And when the news filtered through, that uh, it was the result we wanted. And the stadium went up, and we were all jumping about celebrating. It was uh, was fantastic, and and to do it with my dad as the manager was was even better. The one thing I've forgotten to ask, given that you're a top quality centre half, so was your dad, and you've mentioned him before, your dad purring. But is Harry Maguire living your dream life? Is, is he kind of got the? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. Complain to him. Or? I speak to Harry all the time, and I, I I've spoke to him numerous occasions through the summer, and every day. I used to send him voice notes of Man United songs to try and persuade him not to go to City. But uh, I'm pleased he's gone on and, and got his opportunity to go to Man United because unbelievable footballer on, on the ball, as good as you get as a centre-half. I think people have touched on it, that he, he needs to improve certain areas defensively and all the rest of it. But I've got no doubt in my mind that he will. I think he'll get better playing with better players. I think he'll grow into the. This is exactly what Man United need because he's a, he's a he's a great lad and he's a big character like what we talk about. Does he remind you a little bit? I mean, I'm not only talking about on the pitch, but 
the type of person he is on the pitch it reminds me a little bit about when United bought your dad. Yeah, he is. The similarities. I think Harry was Harry's better on the ball than what my dad was. If I'm being brutally so honest. Talking about the certain people like have a presence. But he has. He's got a similar presence. He's got similar strengths. I think my dad was very good in the air, and he scored a lot of goals from set pieces. But character-wise, and similar similar attributes, they have gotten. If he can go on and do what my dad did, I'm sure Harry will probably snatch your hands off. Do you know it's three years ago? You know, he wasn't getting in the whole team that you were mm. in. I'm not saying you were, uh, you know, keeping him out, but yeah. that's one of the most remarkable three-year spells I can remember in modern football. Well, I think Harry will probably say himself, and, and there was a few articles and things read at the time that like he's getting pissed off about being left out because I'm playing and all the rest of it. I, but I didn't and mean that, it, but I'm talking about yeah, from there to here. He came from League One to win the Premier League. And he went, and it was blatantly obvious from day one that he had ability on the ball. But he just needed to train and get better with better players around him. And we had the like, like we say, Tom Huddlestons and Michael Dawsons and Curtis Davises and t- players that we could learn off. And he's it, a lesson for every every young footballer because the amount of learning that he's done in such a short space of time just goes to show anyone can do it. That the improvement he's made is is, is remarkable. He had the, the tools to do it, but. He's gone on and he's kicked on and, and improved year after year and that's why he's worked hard at his game and he's got the rewards now. It's a fabulous way to end. It's a fabulous message yeah. for everybody listening. We do have both uh, male and female young footballers, coaches listening to this, the industry listens to this. It's a brilliant message. Mm. You don't have to be born with everything there in front of you. Work for it. Work for it. And, and, Harry's, and Harry's done that. He came from League One and he says it himself. He's worked through the leagues and he's... He's now probably England's one of the, well England's best centre half. It should have been you, but nonetheless, I, possibly if it had been, then we wouldn't be sitting here. Maybe you can get me a ticket. Huh? That'd be nice, Graham, wouldn't it? I'll have a word. <laughs> See if you can have a word with him, Alex. That's been an absolute pleasure Top man. and an education. Top man. I do hope you enjoyed that big interview, which was first released as an exclusive to our socios, our members who support us. If you'd like to get these interviews on the first day they're available, it's time for you to join us. To become a socio, and for only £2.99 per month, you'll get all our content entirely ad-free and ahead of its release on the main feed. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to unlock our entire archive. By joining us, you will help support this independent podcast and we'll blow virtual kisses towards you. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.